You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, sponsored by Kendall King, bringing you the latest news, position analysis, and more. Here's your hosts, Matt Jones with Andrew Joseph and Scotty Bordelon. We know Arkansas's bowl opponent, the Razorbacks, looking for a new defensive coordinator, more transfers out of the program. A lot to unpack today on the Whole Hog Football Podcast with Scotty Bordelon and Andrew Joseph of Whole Hog Sports. I'm Matt Jones. We learned the Razorbacks' bowl opponent last weekend. They're going to play Kansas in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis on December 28th. Really not a surprising uh, bowl destination for the Razorbacks. If you you know just kind of go back and, and look at what we talked about over the past month, where they fit into kind of the overall bowl uh, picture in the SEC, we thought they would probably fall into one of these uh, group of six bowl games, which the Liberty Bowl is is one of those. The fact they lost to Missouri in the season finale uh, made you think that maybe the Razorbacks might fall down to like Birmingham or the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. Uh, there's some reports that Missouri didn't want to play in the Liberty Bowl. They've refuted those, uh, but that they didn't want to play Kansas uh, in a bowl game. Of course, that's a, a longtime rivalry that has been dormant since Missouri left for the Big 12. For whatever reason, Arkansas got into the Liberty Bowl they're there. They're going to play in Memphis. It's a game that uh, we've thought for some time is is very interested in Arkansas. The Razorbacks always bring a lot of people over to Memphis. Probably going to be that way against Kansas, although and we'll get into this a little bit later. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's quite as much enthusiasm for this Razorback Liberty Bowl as there was in 2009 in Bobby Petrino's second season or as there was in 2015 in Brett Bielema's third season. Both of those years, the Razorbacks finished the year a lot better than they finished this year. Of course, they went one and three in November. Scotty, you and I kind of combined the night that the bowl announcement was made uh, for Kansas, looking into them a little bit. Uh, they're in the second season under Lance Leopold. They're six and six this year. They actually started out five and zero. Oh. We all remember they were on college game day. They were ranked in the AP. They were one of the feel good stories early in the year. And then reality kind of set in, you know, they had to play a big 12 schedule. Uh, they played better against big 12 opponents than they have in a lot of the previous years. Uh, but still they come into Memphis uh, losers of six of their last seven. So you got a couple of teams in the Liberty bowl where they're both bowl eligible, but they're both bowl. They're both bowl eligible six and six. And neither of them really have played their best football in over a month. No, that's very true. And you know, when I saw the, the matchup first come out. I'm like, I've, I've kind of followed a little bit of Kansas's season. And I definitely remember when game day was in Lawrence for, I believe it was the TCU game. And, you know, after that weekend, you didn't really hear anything about Kansas. And then, you know, we all know how Arkansas season has gone. So when I first saw that matchup, it kind of seemed like both of these programs, both of these teams are looking for, something of a, a get right game, I guess, to to maybe give you a little bit of a, a shot in the arm going into the the offseason because Kansas, you know, they started really hot and then they faded um down the stretch. And then Arkansas season was just completely up and down after, you know, a, a fairly decent start to the season. Um Arkansas season just completely changed after I think that the Texas AM game that they were firmly in control of and Kansas season changed after after game day came. So it's it's a couple teams that are, you know, they're probably wanting to take a little bit of frustration from the regular season out on their opponent, but whether they're <laughs> whether they're capable of doing that or not, we'll we'll see. I would imagine that Kansas is probably going through some 
um, roster turnover, similarly to, to Arkansas. It's just kind of the nature of the beast at this point, the way that college football is going. Um, so I, I would imagine Kansas probably doesn't look like it did at the beginning of the season, and Arkansas really won't. Um, they're gonna both of their starting linebackers are gonna be out with you know with Bumper Pool and, and Drew Sanders. Drew obviously declared for the draft, and um, even on the offensive side of the ball, like Arkansas has got some guys that that won't be playing that you know we're 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 pretty key to to the success that that they were able to have. So it just yeah, it just seems like both of these teams are looking for something positive, you know, going into the into the offseason full force. For Arkansas, Ricky Stromberg's not going to play the center. Uh, he won the Jacobs Award this week as the best blocker in the SEC. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood is not going to play the receiver who's been, you know, one of their better pass catchers this year. Uh, transfer from Oklahoma, he, Stromberg, and Drew Sanders have all declared for the NFL draft. And then maybe one of the big surprises, I think, that, you know, there's been from a personnel standpoint since the season ended is that uh, Keetron Jackson's not going to play in this bowl game. And it was interesting uh, on the Sunday night that Arkansas and Kansas were, you know, announced as opponents in the bowl game, uh, you know, Sam Pittman was asked about, you know, some of these players who weren't going to play you know and he had mentioned that with hazelwood out it would give them an opportunity uh, to put keetron jackson in the slot and kind of evaluate him there because they felt like that was going to be uh, his position moving forward and then lo and behold less than 48 hours later uh, keetron jackson announces that he's in the transfer portal and so i think that one probably caught arkansas off guard a little bit and you look at you know them right now uh, you know, from a receiver standpoint, you got Matt Landers, and and I don't know where the rest of your production comes from outside of maybe Trey Knox, the tight end. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I was a little bit surprised too um, with Keytron leaving because it it just seemed like with you know Hazelwood out that Arkansas was going to turn to Matt Landers if Matt Landers plays in the game. I think that's a decision that we also need to pay attention to because if Landers you know, decides to go pro or opts out of the out of the bowl game, Arkansas will be down three of its top four pass catchers from this season. But um with Hazelwood out, you know, I just I thought Keytron had next, kind of similarly to how, you know, Pooh Paul and I think Jordan Crook have next at the linebacker position with Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool gone. And Keytron, you know, early in the season or maybe, you know, starting week three, and then he had like a five week stretch where he was you know, if not, you know, making big plays, he was, you know, a pretty reliable target. I remember the Texas A&M game, he had one catch in the first quarter for a touchdown, didn't have another catch that game. The next week they play Alabama and he like, he's like, felt like he was the only wide receiver that had a pulse that game. And he looked to me the part of, you know, the best receiver in that group at that point in the season. And I ended up doing a feature story on him about midway through the year. and. You know, I thought he was – I've always really liked Keytron. I think you can you can just look at him and see that he's just, you know, he oozes potential. But with Matt Landers and Hazelwood and, um, you know, Arkansas's ability to run the ball, I mean, there's not enough footballs to go around uh, for, for that guy. I mean, it, it really sucks for Arkansas to, to lose him because he was your top-rated player, I believe, in the 2021 class, according to 247 Sports. So it's a blow. And now I think Arkansas has got to got to lean on maybe even some younger guys than Keytron um, in the bowl game at receiver. And I think they're really going to have to lean on the run game and uh, and KJ running the ball, too. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned that he's going to be a, he was the most surprising departure from the Razorbacks to enter the transfer portal. And I, I think that's true. And while I think that that's probably the one that has disappointed Razorback fans the most to this point, that it's he's also not leaving like a, a huge void of production because he, I mean, he had right. 16 catches total. Uh, and it, it did, you did mention his little span. I think uh, he had a three week span where he had eight catches uh, in those three weeks, which was half of his season production. And it seemed like he was started off behind Warren Thompson. I think Warren Thompson got injured right around week four. And then it looked like Keytron uh, passed him up on the depth chart, which ultimately led to Warren Thompson uh, leaving the team. And so you kind of thought that maybe Keytron was coming into his own and would become one of those top targets. Uh, but then over the final four weeks, he still only made four catches. He only had more than one catch in, in one of those final four games. And so it just looked like it never really clicked. And it is disappointing because he was in a prime position to be that go-to guy, but it just never materialized. I think something that should be noted too about Keytron's maybe his slide down the or lack of production down the stretch of the season, maybe the last four or five games. I think that coincided with Matt Landers coming on a little bit. Like Landers was to me, he was the he's their best pass catcher. You know, maybe the last month, five weeks of the season, and that's something he did his last season at Toledo too. So I wasn't all that surprised that Landers finished the season strong. And um, I think by the end of the year, it was just super super evident that Hazelwood and Landers were were their top guys. And um, maybe Keytron was just you know just maybe just a little bit unhappy with his role. That slot role was is so important in this offense, you know, I mean, Hazelwood probably has been targeted uh, almost as much, if not more than any other receiver on the team this year. For sure, yeah. I think it, I think it said something about what they thought of Jackson as a receiver, that the plans were that they were going to put him in that role. And it makes me wonder, you know, who mans that position for Arkansas in this bowl game? You know, is it a, I mean, do we see an Isaiah Satania who hasn't played much this year because of an ankle injury? Do we see him, you know, get more into the, game plan I, i'm really interested to see what happens there scotty yeah i think satania is a a guy that could fill that role you know hypothetically i mean we don't know really anything yet i think we've talked to sam once since the since the end of the missouri game and so i think there's a lot of things up in the air but isaiah i think he's played six offensive snaps this year so you know a great deal of playing time would be pretty much new to him but I think, you know, he was hampered early in the year, too. I think I think that kind of gets forgotten sometimes, like had an ankle injury early in the year that kind of hampered him, limited him. And, you know, when he's healthy, he's got really good off-the-line-of-scrimmage burst. And then uh, clearly, Matt, you know this from, from having covered him when he was at Fayetteville High, like he's got speed in the open field that not a lot of defensive backs can can handle. Um, if there is anything that I question, and I don't even know if it's a question, it's just – you know, his physicality, you know, when, when defensive backs maybe press him on the line of scrimmage, if he, is he able to get off um, that, that man pressure right at the line of scrimmage, but um, he's an option too. And something that's intriguing, and I have no idea if, if Arkansas would do this, but it's, I think it's kind of interesting. There was some talk about Quincy McAdoo playing both ways. Um, maybe if Arkansas is in a position where they feel like they need to do that, maybe it's something they do um, and just and, and maybe try to figure out what, what the plan is on the defensive side of the ball. I do think Arkansas has got some options like Jaden Wilson's another one um, and Bryce Stevens as well. So I think you're, there's going to be a lot, a lot of youth, I think, on the perimeter for Arkansas in the bowl game. One of the other things that happened with Satania, of course, is that he didn't go through spring practice because he stayed at Fayetteville High and, and ran track. 
uh, obviously going to run track for the Razorbacks as well. And so he missed that install in the spring and he was kind of working double time, so to speak, uh, during the, the August portion of practice and then suffers that injury in August. And so uh, there have been some setbacks there for him uh, that are you know really unique to his situation. Uh, another big piece that's going to be missing for Arkansas in the bowl game is Barry Odom. The defensive coordinator is going to UNLV. Uh, was announced their head coach earlier this week. Got a five-year deal there. Uh, the assumption is he'll probably take some Arkansas staff members with him. Uh, I don't know if any of them are going to go with him before the bowl game, but you know it's it's an interesting time there for him because he's trying to uh, build a roster before that early signing date uh, that's coming up here in, in just a little over a week. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works out heading into the bowl game. Uh, Arkansas hasn't, Sam Pittman hasn't spoken uh, to reporters since uh, Odom left for UNLV. So we don't know how they're going to, uh, you know, run their defense during this game against Kansas. You look at Arkansas staff, Deke Adams, uh, way back in his career, uh, close to 20 years ago on the FCS level, had some uh, coordinating experience. Dominic Bowman, uh, more recently, I believe at Austin P, uh, was either a defensive coordinator or a co-defensive coordinator there. So you've got a couple of members on staff who have that experience calling plays during a game as coordinator. But, uh, you know, I think having that, you know, say what you want about Arkansas's defense this year, and and certainly it's it, it left itself open for, you know, a lot of criticism. Uh, but, you know, not having Barry Odom on the staff for this game, I, I think, is a, a really big deal for Arkansas, especially in light of, of all the players that they're going to be missing, especially on defense. No Drew Sanders, uh, no Bumper Poole, who underwent hip surgery after the end of the season. That's almost 200 tackles uh, that you're missing in this game. I'm not exactly sure because, we again, we have, like Matt mentioned, we haven't talked to Sam since um, since all of this has gone down. I don't know what direction they turn to. I think if you're looking for somebody Barry Odom like, I think that person could be Michael Scherer. I, I really do think that Scherer is a kind of a rising star on the, you know, in terms of a defensive coach um, in college football right now. And, you know, just the work that he's done with Bumper and Drew Sanders and, you know, Pooh Paul emerged as a super big time talent for Arkansas this year. And that's, he's done that under Michael Scherer. And we'll see. I guess in the bowl game, it should Jordan Crook play, you know, kind of what he's capable of. And, you know, Cher is, is Barry Odom's guy. Like he played for Barry at Missouri. So I think if you're looking for, you know, someone who maybe thinks similarly, but has maybe some innovative ideas that are, that, that vary from Odom, you know, I think that could be a direction you go. If you want maybe a, an authoritative voice, I don't think there's anybody better on that defensive side of the ball than Deke Adams. And Matt mentioned that, you know, he's got some uh, defensive coordinator, you know, background. You know, he was that at, at North Carolina A&T and then before that at, at OBU. Um, There's obviously a, a much bigger stage than than at both of those schools. But um, he does have that have that ability. And I think he's got a, a voice that is loud and authoritative, like I mentioned. And, and I think um, he could definitely rally guys on the defensive side of the ball that, that are still there. You know, the other thing about Sharer, is that, of course, you know, he's got all those ties to Odom, played for him at Missouri, uh, was part of his coaching 
staff there and, and, and came over here to Arkansas with him. You wonder about him at a, you know, a level like the group of five, if, if whether or not, you know, he might be in contention to be like a coordinator type at UNLV. I don't know if that'll happen, but, you know, it's certainly a, a thought that, that probably has crossed a lot of people's minds. Uh, maybe even, maybe even Barry Odom's as he looks to assemble that UNLV coaching staff. Uh, we're going to talk more about Arkansas's coordinators uh, here in, in just a little bit in, in particular, what we think Arkansas might be looking at from a, a defensive coordinator uh, perspective. Uh, going back to Kansas for a minute, you look at their season and it's there are some similarities, I think, to Kansas and Arkansas. One of the big ones being that when they started out 5-0, and they were getting really good quarterback play. And then, uh, you know, their, their quarterback, got hurt and uh ironically they've got a quarterback named Jaden Daniels and you spell Jaden differently than you do the LSU quarterback and I don't know that he's quite at that capability but uh you know he he was a very good quarterback for them early in the season he gets hurt doesn't come back until I think maybe the final couple of games of the regular season and and you know they didn't play well without him similar to Arkansas didn't play well without KJ Jefferson this season, uh, Daniels is, is a, I think a key there for Kansas. And then Scotty, uh, you wrote about uh, their running game. That's really the strength of their, uh, the strength of their offense this year. Yeah, it seems to be, I was looking at cfbstats.com and they're, they're averaging over 190 yards on per game on the ground, which is, is pretty impressive. Um, they've got a running back named Devin Neal, who I think he's, you know, there are some players and I think bumper pool, might be similar. I mean, he's not from Fayetteville. Devin Neal is from Lawrence and they got him. I think he was like a four-star prospect when he came out of high school. And um, Lance Leopold was, was talking earlier in the season when they became bowl eligible that, you know, Neal chose Kansas because he wanted to be a Jayhawk, not necessarily because he um, wanted to play for that coaching staff. And, and Leopold was like, Hey man, that's, that's fine with me. Um, totally understand it. And it's like, he's, he's kind of made that, that program. I don't want to say he's made it what it is, but he's helped elevate it certainly um, early in Leopold's tenure there. But he had a huge game against Oklahoma State that helped Kansas become bowl eligible. I think he ran for over 230 yards. It's really impressive. And then the next week he ran for over 190 against Texas Tech. So those are like the two clearly, clearly the two biggest games that he's had this year. Um, in some of his other games, he's been pretty so-so. But, I mean, those two games against OSU and, and Texas Tech – Probably not exactly known for great run defense, but um, have had some decent defenses in the past, especially Oklahoma State, I would say. Um, I think Arkansas has got to be leery of them. And when you don't have Drew Sanders and, and Bumper Pool out there to, to run you down, that can create some challenges. But um, I think it's it's something that Pooh Paul is probably going to be pretty geared up for. He's been really great. Um you know, rushing the passer and Jordan Crook's been really good, you know, in some limited snaps um, and run defense. So those two guys are going to get tested, I would imagine. And, you know, maybe somebody like Jackson Woodard too um, might see in that mix. But yeah, Kansas run game's been been pretty solid. And um, just, it'll be interesting, I guess, for me to see how Arkansas game plans for Devin Neal. Yeah, I think whichever defense can stop the run is going to have a, probably the best shot of winning this game just because both offenses are such 
potent rushing attacks. And I was looking at Kansas's last two games against uh, K State and Texas, and those are they have two very good running backs. And Deuce Vaughn for K State ran for almost 150 yards against them uh, last game, their last game out. And then I looked up the the box score of the 55-14 beating that Texas put on KU, and Bijan Robinson had a field day running for 243 yards and four touchdowns against them. And so maybe it, it becomes the Rocket Sanders show. A lot of fans bemoan the fact that he only got 10 carries uh, against Mizzou when he was uh, trying to win the SEC rushing title. Um, and so maybe he makes up for it here. Those weren't the only games where Kansas struggled to stop the run this year. There, there were five times this year that KU gave up at least 230 rushing yards. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned K, K State, 230 yards. Texas, they gave up 427 yards in that game. That was a season high uh, for Kansas. Also gave up 264 to Texas Tech, 273 to Baylor, 298 to Oklahoma. Uh, all of those, of course, Big 12 games. Uh, they rank 119th nationally in run defense. Arkansas ranks 9th nationally in rushing offense. And so certainly that's really, I feel like, the the big matchup to watch You know, in, in terms of what might favor Arkansas. Is, is the ability to run against Kansas. One thing, though, of course, you, you got to, again, go back and kind of make up for these missing parts. Ricky Stromberg's not going to be in there at center, and, and he's been such an, an integral piece to what Arkansas is doing. And, you know, in the, the the last time that we had an opportunity to talk to Sam Pittman, Scotty, he was asked, you know, does Bo Limmer move over to center? He said that's a possibility, but I, I guess there's also a possibility that Marcus Henderson, who uh, – dealt with a lot of injuries during the preseason early in the season that that he might slide in there at center yeah that was you know the at the, the last time we did talk to sam was december 4th so it was the night that we found out that that arkansas was going to play kansas in the liberty bowl did a, like a brief 10 10 or 15 minute teleconference with him and he was asked about you know replacing some of the guys that are leaving like namely ricky stromberg is center is center is obviously a really 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 big position one of the two players that touches the ball every snap so you got to get that figured out and the first name that sam mentioned was marcus henderson and i thought that was interesting because early like in the preseason during fall camp henderson was a guy that you know going in we thought might you know might be able to battle for or secure a, a backup job and he just like could not get over a pectoral injury i've never had that but i would imagine it's um you know, pretty debilitating, you know, to, if you want to play center at a high level to not have a, you know, have a, a intact peck, but that's pretty important, but he just, it seems like he fell behind a little bit in terms of, you know, getting, being able to get on the field and develop, uh, didn't play a snap this year. I think it's interesting. And maybe Sam, maybe Sam said it mostly because the games in Memphis, Marcus Henderson's for Memphis, um, so that could be that could be something to keep an eye on. I think I don't I wouldn't I'm not ruling out Marcus Henderson by any stretch. Maybe they could, you know, get a jump start on, you know, maybe getting Marcus, you know, more in tune with playing center full time for next year by by playing him in this ball game and keeping Bo Limmer at right guard. But I remember I I've asked Sam several times about Bo Limmer this year because he just had a really terrific year at right guard, you know, what do you think about his future? And he said he could be a guy that, you know, plays center down the line and and could you know potentially play center in the league so i think there's a couple options there you know they're obviously they're going to do their best to get their five best on the field 
on the offensive line. And I think if I had to say right now, I would, I would guess that it would be moving Limmer over to, to right guard or from right guard to center and then sliding Limmer's back up in, into that right guard spot. Yeah, of course there's some other things you could do that maybe get tanky Crawford on the field too. Uh, Pittman's talked a lot about having a, a, a center who is a great communicator. And that was one of the things they thought that was really a, a strong point or a strong suit for Ricky Stromberg and and not having him in that bowl game against Kansas. Again, just all kinds of little intangibles uh, with all of this roster movement uh, that you kind of have to take into consideration as Razorbacks get ready to play this bowl game. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Wholehogsports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at wholehogsports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. Wholehogsports.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Welcome back to the Whole Hawk Football Podcast. Arkansas against Kansas in the Liberty Bowl on December 28th in Memphis. It's going to be a 4.30 kickoff. It'll be televised by ESPN. Dan Mullen, the former Florida coach, is going to be on the call in that game, by the way. Uh, the first time I believe that he's been in the booth this season for ESPN. He's going to be calling that game uh, between the Razorbacks and the Jayhawks. First time that these two teams have played, by the way, since 1906. Kansas yeah, I remember won. that game. Yeah, do you? I think Bob Holt covered that game for the uh, Arkansas Gazette. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, we know you. We, hey, you know we love you, Bob. Uh, you know the Razorbacks lost that game thirty-seven to five. That was the end of a, a two-year agreement between Arkansas and KU to uh, play uh, home and home in Lawrence and in Fayetteville. And so it's been one hundred and sixteen years since Arkansas and Kansas played. Scotty, you and I were talking, it would be really great maybe if uh, the Liberty Bowl would maybe get the basketball teams to participate in this and Absolutely. maybe get Arkansas KU to play at FedEx Forum the night before. Yeah, that would be sweet. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to settle for Phoenix and Memphis <laughs> and FedEx that night. But yeah, that would, heck yeah, that'd drive a lot of interest. It, it certainly would. You know, I've, I've always thought it'd be interesting, you know, for Arkansas and, and KU or Arkansas and Kansas State to play more just because of the proximity of I've never really understood why they haven't played uh, more often than, you know, just in K-State's or in, in the case of K-State, the bowl games. And, and of course, KU, it's it's been 116 years since these teams played. And for, for Kansas, 
you know, this year, this bowl game has a, a much different feel, I feel like, for Kansas than it does for Arkansas. And I was reading uh, within the last day or so that Kansas has actually sold out its initial allotment of tickets and has requested more from the Liberty Bowl. Now, I don't know what that allotment number is. It, it, it might be 6,000 tickets. But I think that there's going to be some enthusiasm on Kansas' part to play in this bowl game just because – they have not played in a bowl game since 2008. The Insight Bowl was the last time uh, that they played in a bowl game. That that game hadn't even existed, I think, in more than 10 years. And so, you know, you're talking about KU coming into this for the first time in 14 years playing in a bowl game. I think there's some disappointment from the ticket buyers from Arkansas, the fact that they're playing in this game. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, when they played East Carolina in 2009, uh, it was to end Bobby Petrino's second season. Uh, and there was a lot of enthusiasm about the program when they played Kansas state in 20, the, or in the 2015 season, uh, you know, that ended an eight game or an, an eight win season for the Razorbacks in 2015, where they won a lot of games there at the end. And, and it was really the height of, of the popularity that, uh, uh, you know, whatever popularity Brett Bielema had when he was at Arkansas. And so, I don't feel that going into this one. I mean, to you, it, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of enthusiasm. I still think that when we get to Memphis in a few weeks and, you know, you get out on Bill Street, you're going to see a lot of Razorback fans down there. When you get into the stadium on uh, the day of the bowl game, it, it's still going to be predominantly red. I just don't know that this is going to be one of those games where you see the 61, 62,000 people in the seats and it feel like a Razorback home game quite like it did in those past two trips to Memphis. Yeah, I think that's just kind of the way that non-playoff bowl games are trending in general, um, just because of so many bowl opt-outs or entering the transfer portal early. Uh, I just think that, and and I don't I don't blame them for for doing that, and I think they should do whatever's best for them. But I think it does kind of lessen the intrigue, um, or at least changes it. For now, you're not kind of watching the instead of watching your team kind of wrap up their their season you're kind of watching to get a glimpse at what you're hoping to see next season so it's almost in a way like a glorified like little spring game or a preview preview of what to expect next year yeah I think for for some Arkansas fans I think they may be just tuning into the bowl game just so they can form opinions going into the offseason on who they think can contribute next year you know which coaches should stick around which ones shouldn't um, I do agree with Matt. I think once the bowl game gets gets here, that there will be a little bit more enthusiasm. But no offense to the Liberty Bowl, but I don't. I think Arkansas fans are pretty disappointed in in going to the Liberty Bowl, especially after the way that they finished last season with such a with such a punch. Like there was there were a few teams in the SEC outside of like the top dogs in the league that were playing better than Arkansas down the stretch, and then this year it was kind of kind of polar opposite, and they kind of. They're limping into a six and six bowl game. Like, I don't know what there's just on the surface. There's not a, just a whole lot to be enthusiastic about in terms of the team you're playing. You know, it's the not exactly the bowl game that you want to be into. And then the way that the team performed down the stretch. But I think once we get closer to that bowl game, there will be some there will be a little bit of excitement. But, you know, some of that could be coming from behind the bar uh, down on Bill Street, too. It's interesting you say that, Scotty, because, you know, I, I feel like there's this expectation among people that you can never have a step back from the season before. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and we heard we heard Sam Pittman talk about this before the season. He said, guys, we won nine games last year. 
there's not a lot of win totals you can go to above that in the SEC. And every one of those win totals above nine games is a, a really huge step when you're playing the type of competition uh, that they're playing, you know, with, uh, for the Razorbacks. And so you know, I'm really hopeful from, you know, just, just, I don't know, I, I guess I'm maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that people understand that you can be disappointed uh, with having a, a six and six season. Uh, but, you know, that it's one of those deals like Nolan would always say, not all sickness is death. You know, it, it doesn't mean the program's necessarily in reverse. I, I don't feel that way. And I've actually been working on a column for our magazine, you know, kind of talking about that, you know, the fact that, you know, people probably don't want to hear this, but, you know, they're what, a handful of plays away from uh, winning 10 games. Now you could probably make that argument in reverse, you know, like a game like uh, Missouri state, for instance, uh, they could have uh, potentially lost that without a couple of big plays there in the fourth quarter that, that turned that momentum. But it just doesn't feel to me like Arkansas is quite as far away uh, from being a, a, a real competitive or a real competitor in the sec as a, a six and six record might indicate you know, we talked about KJ Jefferson not playing this year and, and how that impacted the LSU game. It impacted the Liberty game. I think it impacted the Mississippi State game. I don't think they lose that one uh, in a, a blowout if he's playing. I think that they might win that game in Starkville. They moved the ball up and down the field against uh, Mississippi State, just couldn't punch it in in the red zone. And so I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just kind of a long-winded way to say that I, I think that, you know, in, in any program, you're going to have these years where you you can't compare it necessarily to the year before uh, because, you know, there's just those natural years where you have injuries like they had this year and and then how it affected their defense. And then they weren't able to play defense quite as well with uh, so many injuries in the secondary for so much of the season. You're, you're going to have these step back years. And I just think it's natural, you know, progression of building a program. And I also think that Arkansas probably, you know, it's uh, if, if, if there's any such thing as peaking too early, now they they peaked really early under Sam Pittman, and I think it probably just underscores how impressive last season was the fact that they had gone from being just dead in the water two years before to being a, a nine-win team last year uh, really illustrates the type of job they did. I think probably what we're seeing now is, is, is more of the stepping stone type season that we expected to see from Arkansas as Pittman tries to build this program. Yeah, I just think winning cures everything, man. And I think that even applies to this bowl game. Like if KJ, you know, leads Arkansas's offense to a pretty impressive day with a, you know, a group of young guys, including Rocket and some some wide receivers that, you know, maybe haven't gotten just a ton of playing time this year. And guys like Quincy McAdoo, Jordan Crook, Pooh Paul, you know, they kind of go out and, and play well in this game. I think that that right there is going to bring a little bit of optimism going into the future because you you look at those young guys, you're like, they're kind of committed to the team and they're talented and they're going to get better in the offseason after spring ball and summer workouts and then fall camp. You know, I think, you know, if Arkansas just goes out and performs and wins and takes care of business, even against, you know, a kind of a mediocre team against Kansas, you know, I think that that breeds a little bit of optimism um, going into these, you know, the end of the summer months and even the dog days of the summer. Yeah, you mentioned that about winning. You know, Frank Broyles was always against the playoffs. And one of the reasons he was, was that he said, you know, you've got however many teams, however many bowl games there were at that point, you have that many teams that go into the off season with a lot of optimism, a lot of, um, 
uh, positivity, a lot of, uh, what's the word, momentum going into the offseason. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it could be a momentum-type building win for Arkansas. So I'll be it against Kansas if they do have a good showing in Memphis. I do want to mention real quick uh, the defensive coordinator search. We don't know where Arkansas is going to go with this, but um, it, it's going to be a really interesting hire for Sam Pittman for, for so many reasons, and I think probably not least of which is the fact that we have not seen him have to hire a coordinator since he was first hired at Arkansas, you know, he hired Kendall Bryles, Barry Odom and Scott Fountain and almost kind of like rapid succession there in December of 2019, they've been able to hold people off that have come for, for Barry Odom for other defensive coordinator positions, maybe other head coaching positions that we don't know about. Same thing goes for Kendall Bryles. Pittman has, has spoken on numerous occasions, how there've been many schools that have come for both of those, but, but now they have to go find a new defensive coordinator and they have to do it. Uh, when they're coming off a, a season uh, where they didn't play very good defensively and, the, and they've got to do it uh, in an off season where they're losing a lot of their best defensive players. It's, it's a really interesting hire. Yeah, there's no question. It's a big one that, you know, is going to, you know, dictate maybe the trajectory of one side of the football. I mean, you've got to, you got to go out and make the, make a good hire here. And, you know, one of the names that's interesting to me that's, you know, we've seen thrown around a lot is, is Trey Scott, you know, Georgia's defensive line coach. He's young, you know, for a, for a coach, 38 years old. He's got ties to, you know, Sam and and Arkansas. He's from CrossFit. And I think we've seen in the past that that relationships and, you know, ties to either Sam or, or to Arkansas is, is pretty big because Sam likes to hire guys who – are kind of all about the logo, all about the all about the Razorback and the state, and you know wanting to, you know wanting to work hard to make the state proud. And I think you know, guy from CrossFit, you know he's he grew up here, he knows what the logo is about and how much you know passion there is is for for the program and and especially the football team. And I, I just think that's a that's a really interesting name that's being thrown around. And you know he's been at Arkansas Tech. Um, Arkansas State, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Georgia, like so. He's he's been around a little bit, so um, I'm going to be keeping a, a pretty close eye on, on Trey Scott. I think that would be a, a really solid hire for Sam if it he happens. Feel, he he feels like he would be a hard sell, though, doesn't it? I mean, the the fact that he doesn't have any coordinator experience, I, I think, would make that a hard sell. Maybe it ends up happening. I think you know, I've, I I've think, certainly had the same thought. Just given he's got a great reputation. And he's been he's been in a program that that knows how to play defense, and so yeah, you know, I think at some point somebody's going to give him a shot. It's just it would kind of surprise me if Arkansas was the one. Yeah, I think I think Arkansas fans, and I don't, I don't want to speak for anyone, but I think they see what Georgia's done on the defensive side of the ball the last few years. Just they've put some monsters on the field, like legitimately, and I would imagine that that Trey Scott had a. Had a, a hand in at least getting some of those guys to campus and developing them and their skill sets and stuff. So I, I just think that, you know, Georgia's emergence the last couple of years um, as a power in the league. And then that guy having, you know, been a part of that and been kind of a key part of that is their D line coach. I, I think a lot of people would welcome that, whether it's a hard sell or not. Um, no, I don't know. To me, it, it seems fairly logical. Sam knows the guy knows what he's about and how he works and, 
probably definitely knows how he recruits, I would imagine. So um, maybe it's not as hard of a sell, but maybe I'm maybe I'm just not not thinking about it enough. We've heard Scott's name, you know, before mentioned with Arkansas. We, we think that, you know, maybe he was a candidate here uh, at, at one of those earlier times that they were trying to fill a defensive line position. Uh, that's an interesting name. You know, I've I've been prefacing this with, I don't know what Sam Pittman wants to do. It's just these are people who would not surprise me if they were candidates given some of the ties. Uh, some of the names, uh, Scotty, uh, that I've got in mind, Ryan Walters is the defensive coordinator at Illinois. They had a great season this year defensively. He went there from Missouri. Uh, he was Barry Odom's you know, kind of a, a protege uh, for several years, both at Memphis and at Missouri. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, somebody's going to give him a shot. Either Illinois is going to have to pay him or somebody's going to give him a, a shot to uh, make a lot more money uh, because of the the production that he's had. Of course, he's he's been a coordinator within the SEC. I think that there's a, a lot of positives to potentially going that kind of route because, you know, it's, it's somebody who knows the type of defense that Arkansas has been running as, you know, the relationships with some of the coaches on staff. Uh, again, that's a name that wouldn't surprise me. Jim Leonard's the, the big defensive coordinator free agent right now, right? I mean, Wisconsin, former Broyles Award finalist, uh, has, has certainly uh, made a name for himself at Wisconsin, was their interim head coach for the final seven games this year and went four and three. And so, you know, he might be in line for a head coaching position. He has said that he's not going to go back to Wisconsin. And then I just kind of go back through Sam Pittman's past and just see who he has got relationships with and you don't know if these are good relationships or bad relationships. You just know that coach together, uh, coaches who you know have been defensive coordinators uh, at the SEC level. You've got the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia right now. It seems like that would be really tough to pull him out of that situation. But Glenn Schumann is a co-defensive coordinator there uh, who coached with Pittman for a few years uh, when both of them were at Georgia. He's a, a co-DC, like I said, with Will Muschamp. I think we we all know they're running Kirby Smart's defense uh, there at Georgia. And then, you know, another name that I think is kind of interesting, and again, I don't know if, if, if there's any thought of going this route, uh, but it's uh, Derek Ansley. He's a defensive backs coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, and he and Pittman were on staff together at Tennessee in 2012. And uh, in 2019 and 20, Ansley was the defensive coordinator at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt, and they had some some decent defenses during that time. I think their defenses ranked uh, somewhere around sixth or seventh in the SEC in total defense and scoring defense during those seasons. So there's some names. Yeah, I think that's what everybody's doing right now. They're just throwing out names. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I think more often than not, when a new hire is made, whether it be a head coach, an assistant coach, it seems like they always come out, out of left field, right? Yeah, it definitely does seem like that. Yeah, no doubt. I think it'll be interesting to see how much he kind of gambles on this pick, uh, on picking the coordinator, because I think Barry Odom was a very safe choice, especially for a first-time head coach on staff. And then uh, with the position coaches that Barry brought with him, I think Sam really relied on Barry Odom's opinion heavily for the hiring of, of Coach Shearer and Coach Bowman. And so I think like you guys said, relationships really matter to Sam Pittman. And we've talked on this podcast many times about how he's trying to turn Arkansas into Georgia light-esque. And, and I think for those reasons, the, the guys that he has ties with on the Georgia staff make a lot of sense. Uh, but I also could just, you know, like you said, just going for the home run higher and maybe throwing it all out there. 
Well, I mean, if there's there's one thing that that Arkansas has to offer, it's that you know being a coordinator in the SEC is a, a really coveted job, and they've shown with Odom that they're willing to pay uh, you know a really good amount for a quality coordinator. He's making one point eight five million dollars this year. It's I don't know if that's top ten money, but it's it's pretty close in the coordinator sphere, and and so uh, you know th- there's definitely the funds there if the candidate is right. Uh, to, to potentially lure away a big name from somewhere else. Don't know when it's going to happen. You would seem to think that Arkansas would try to have a coordinator before the early signing period that begins December the 19th and runs through the 21st. Uh, so it'll be an interesting week here or so uh, to see what happens for Arkansas on that front. Also, uh, there's some rumors out there that Arkansas's other assistant coaches are being looked at for other jobs. We'll see if any of those materialize. Hope you'll come to our site, wholehogsports.com, for all of our coverage leading up to the Razorbacks Bowl game. Of course, we're in full basketball gear, too. The Razorbacks play in Oklahoma this weekend at BOK Center. Scotty, Andrew, Bob Holt, they had the basketball podcast of Mid-America earlier this week, and they'll have plenty of coverage from the Razorbacks basketball game against the Sooners. And until next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast, for Scotty Bordelon and Andrew Joseph, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us. The proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.